Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And, uh, oh, we are, we are deep into the non-Jimmy uh, McGovern episodes of Cracker Now. And I'll say that you can tell, but uh, I will get to that when we get to that. Before we start, though, I just wanted to do a quick little acknowledgement and rest in peace that we are very sad to have lost Gordon Lightfoot this week. Uh, by the time you hear this, it's going to have been a few weeks. We're recording in advance again. But, I mean, he really is the most significant Canadian songwriter and performer. Yeah. I, mean, I, I would think so. He made, you know, folk ballads and history ballads into uh, popular music, you know, m telling stories about the country in a way that was, I mean, I, he's, it's not like he's always been much more folk. It's not like he's our Bruce Springsteen or something. Yeah. No, no, no. He's not a rock and roller. No, it's always been about the story. Like. Yes. codifying our history as stories that make them easy to remember. And I mean, that is literally one of the oldest human traditions. Yes. And I mean, the most, well, first of all, for our American listeners, the one thing that they should, if they do not know the song, they should go listen to it called Black Day in July. Mm -hmm. That was his ballad of the Detroit riots in 1966, 67. Yeah. We yeah. would have to check to be sure. 67, I think, because I was still, I was working, I would have been working in the hospital. I still remember those riots. Um, mm -hmm. My parents and my two sisters were on vacation and they were coming back and they got back. And of course, this is all, I've told this story sort of before, but this is all before um, cell phones, of course. There's yeah. no such thing in the 70s, uh, in the 60s. And um, they, so there was no contacting them. They were camping. Yeah. So I had no idea whether they had gotten through Detroit before all hell broke loose. And um, because they tended to stop in Detroit and do things. And, Quite reasonable, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we were always very comfortable in Detroit and um, same thing with Chicago, but Detroit. No, they had they had uh, what before the they had already been north of Flint, Michigan before mm. the riot started. So they had missed them all. They didn't even know anything. They weren't listening to radio. Yeah. And um, yeah, they got, got incredibly lucky. Couldn't figure out. Couldn't figure out why I was so upset. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, he has that. He has the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. He's just okay. Uh, the train. This is the this is a shipwreck that took place outside of Sault Ste. Marie yep. on Whitefish Island, mm -hmm. Whitefish Island. Winter storm in November, just terrible. So mm -hmm. he um, he started to become a major figure when he wrote something called the Railroad Trilogy, which was about the building of the railroad the first railroad, the CPR, from Halifax to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was finished in 1885, I think, the CPR, something like that. Something along those lines, yeah. yeah. 
that John, Sir John A. Macdonald's second term and stuff, and it's the origin. There's a whole bunch of things that are going on, but what it is is these are ballads, um, and then he wrote things like Sundown, yeah, um, Pussy Willows, Cattails, uh, and then he wrote, of course, that's what you get for loving me. Mm-hmm. Which a key song for people like Bob Dylan, I think Peter, Paul, and Mary. Oh yeah, recorded it as well. That's what you get for loving me. He he was the king of Canadian folk, but yeah, he was he was understated mm-hmm. because he was just not an Ian, like Ian and Sylvia. I think sometimes people think of them in terms of four strong winds, but Gordon Lightfoot was just consistently and he consistently toured i've seen him i think three times the last and he was supposed to perform in sault saint marie in the in 2019 i think because we were all getting excited or 2020 whenever when did everything close down for COVID? 2020 yeah 2020 so um i think at the end of february he was supposed to be coming to the sioux in november october november so we were all sort of planning from the school at the ADSB to go along and see if we could. And then COVID hit and that was that. Oh. So, but I did see him in Massey Hall. Oh, maybe 15 years ago was the last time I saw him. Wow. So yeah, but go listen to Black Day in July. Um, every now and then it gets these weird things that some somebody doesn't like it and it gets <laughs> morning yeah. uh, on YouTube because uh, the pictures that go along with it and, and the discussion of the riots that mm-hmm. in, I mean he knew he knew how to take tragedy and turn it into music that you could listen to and um, he also of course wrote other things yeah so. of course. I, he wrote I mean he had a long incredible career and it's he's one of those artists that, like you say, like a Canadian Bob Dylan, his music has never left the Canadian consciousness since he started doing it. No, never, never for a second. Yeah. And I mean, here when I'm teaching, I'm using, as I said this morning, we did um, the Railroad Trilogy. And of course, I've got a few little things because the building of the railroad was key to the creation of Canada as we know it. Yeah. And um, then after that, right, so I'll do it again tonight uh, with my upper level class tonight, you know, Mm. didn't do with the lower classes. It's too complicated, but to explain Canadian history (laughs) (laughs) and the the building of the railroad and uh, yeah, so 1967, Canada's centennial, the CBC commissioned him to write a song, a ballad. Yeah. Did it about the building of the railroad. So that's just anyway, fascinating. Yes. Just go to the cbc.ca and there's all sorts of, there'll be all sorts of things. It'll be on the front splash. Yeah. And, and then you can um, just take it. You know, you can go to all the links. Yeah, He wasn't a young man. This wasn't a surprise, but it's still a big deal for all of us. Yeah, 84, 86. Yeah. So, and he'd been ill for quite a while. Oh, yeah. 
But he was performing till right before COVID. That's the thing. No, and he had dates scheduled for the fall. There you go. So he was planning on recovering and planning on continuing to tour. But I guess his body just couldn't couldn't take one more push. Oh. And now she's just mad she didn't get to see him again, which she has every right to be. <laughs> That's all. Yes. Every right to be. I'm not going to call you a monster or anything. No. I would have gone to Toronto to Massey Hall. Of course. I, I was going to go in 2020 because but, yeah. I already knew that was going to be the last time probably I would ever get to see him. Yeah. No, it really is tragic. So, all right. Um, okay. Yes, we did. Uh, we did also watch some cracker. <laughs> uh, we absolutely did watch some cracker as well. And I gotta say, like, you see what I mean when I just like. It's not that I want to dismiss it. And Paul Abbott's doing a good job of getting the voice, right? Like getting the voice of these characters. But what is missing? Like, as I watch this, can you tell me what's missing? Well, it's more okay. Uh, because the, the killer this time, maybe it's the empathy. You know what it is? Yeah. It's the full, the fact that we've gotten used to these powerful three arc episodes. Yeah. All of a sudden, we're down to two. Mm-hmm. And the things that have to be, like, to build the empathy um, takes more than the two hours. Or they, it has always taken more than the two hours. Yeah. If we look at it, because remember in the first, the first arc, the very first arc was only two hours, and sure enough, I mean, you're missing out on the killer. Yeah. Really getting real imp. I mean, I just I justified it, and you can justify it, but the point is, is that the idea of focusing in on the killer and understanding the killer better, mm-hmm. like I, if I, I mean, this is an ep- these two episodes. I mean, yes, it again, they're like run of the mill police procedurals yeah with cracker as this sort of outstanding quirk in a run-of-the-mill procedural Mm -hmm. he's not given the chance to fully flex i mean i can comment on i think some of the the things as we sort of go along um where it could have been better we needed more for example the issue with her sister. Yeah. Remember the first time she goes to see her sister, her sister had just gotten married. Yeah. That should have been a longer um, segment because we have no idea what the hell is going on. You cannot understand, you know, her Mm -hmm. older sister is yelling at her to get out and never come back. Yeah. Right. And I, I understand that when they were writing it, I'm sure Paul Abbott thought, oh, no, I've got to leave that as the the twist and the kicker and everything else. Yeah. But but this episode already had a massive kicker. Yeah. In that you assume that she had been sexually abused mm-hmm. and she wasn't. She was the only girl in the family who wasn't. Yeah. You know, and that is a big enough twist 
you could have somehow or another still given given her more space in the first episode with her sister and still come away with um believing that she was sexually like that wouldn't have been hard and it would have given us that more because there's no indication that that's what the problem is between the two sisters so when it comes up with It, it feels a little like it comes out of nowhere it feels a little like it comes out of nowhere. The older sister says, no matter what my sister told you, it's not true. Well, here's a question. <laughs> tell me tell me what you think. Okay. Could you have fixed a lot of this? Yes. Simply, I like that you're already saying yes, because you probably know what I'm going to ask. By simply, like, showing her conversation with the sister's husband yeah. instead of cutting away? Yeah. Like... Am I crazy or would that have solved a lot of these the feelings I we're having with her character? Have, I think that would have solved given what we where they're going with this episode, that would have solved you see, it that is the critical part where we needed to have more understanding. Because you walk away from that episode wondering whether or not the husband has had an affair with her. Exactly. Like it could have been I mean, any number like, of things. And that's not really, you know, like you should have. She should have been screaming. At her sister, yeah, you, and, and dad loved you the best and he bought you this house. You just got married and he bought you this house and everything. Yeah. Right? Because then that would have given us more. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then the follow-up to resolve some of it would have been talking with the older sister a little bit more. Yeah. Like, he, if it had, again, we have gotten used to having three arc, three episodes in an arc. That have time to breathe. And, that have time to give us more information about the killer than we're getting. Yeah. And therefore it's truncated and therefore it's not good enough. Like, I think you could solve that with that, anything with that. And then a little bit more with the sister. Uh, but then you'd have to figure out, okay, what are we going to cut here? Yeah. Cause you got to cram it all into two episodes and it's like, yeah. You can't and, cut the stuff with him and his son because his son is finally at the forefront for a while. Yeah. So you, you, know? you need that. him to be at the forefront for the ending of the episode. Mm-hmm. So, However, you might have been able to cut out the redhead. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. Cut out the that extra victim. Yeah. Because you have one victim. You get the second victim. Um, yeah. You could actually just leave her with the redheaded guy, mm-hmm. sort of, and we just know rather than having the whole the whole thing where he can't get it up, and and yeah. then he says, "Well, would you want me to stay?" That sort of thing, right? Which right. is I- irrelevant to the longer. If you had cut that sort of three or four minutes mm-hmm. and put it into finding out more what was going on with the sister, her husband, and our killer. Yeah. And um, and then maybe another thirty seconds, forty five seconds with the um, older sister and Fitz, and yeah. that might have made it as good as the previous two episodes, because while we had complaints with the first two, that arc that Paul Abbott wrote, um, it was it gave you more of a sense of who these two killers were. Mm-hmm. You had you had more empathy for them. You understood them a hell of a lot better than you understand this girl. You only understand this girl's behavior really in retrospect 
you are not being given little context the whole time. Yes. And that's that's exactly what the problem is with this. It's treated as a twist. The first two, you had context. Mm -hmm. It, It was just growing context. It was being slowly but surely they were finding things out. Yeah. Right. And I think, okay, the episode where she sort of, you know, tells this guy lies about, you know, how well he's doing so she can get him. Yeah. And kill him. That was kind of weak. Yeah. Like that was a weak, like, why would this guy believe that? Yep. From her. Like the, this is nobody believes. I, I, maybe the British system is terribly different, but it's she was only a lab assistant. She I was know. not even the teacher's. She's not even market. like the TA for that course. Yeah. She's not a TA for that course or anything. She's a lab assistant. Yeah. For the experimental psych that's going on. So, yeah, like there were little things. This was an episode where we, unlike most of the others, like we we just dismissed the cult episodes. It isn't even completely. Yeah, not worth talking about. Worth even talking about or rewriting. This one is worth talking about. It had the potential to be as good as the previous two, Mm -hmm. but there were missed choices that that Paul Abbott would have made in the writing room. Right. And um, so we could have made this. This is. Well, and I think you're right, because you look at all of them. Right. And you have you have the two reveals. We know what's going on. And then we get a bigger reveal later. Like you look at your your Bonnie and Clyde, Romeo and Juliet. At, well, no, it's more Bonnie and Clyde. Like we see the edge of society they're living at. Yes. Right. And we see what drives them to this murder in very reasonable ways. And then you gradually realize she's got something worse than just the condition they're living in. And it explains why she's living in this condition when she comes from this middle class family. And that's your later reveal. You look at the uh, you look at the the previous Paul Abbott episode. Same structure. We yes. learn Like, we get the gay thing. We get the fact that Liam Cunningham is repressed and uh, Bill here is the first time he's been able to be close to somebody ever. And then we gradually find out what was going on with Bill to make him. And you're right. Here, if we had seen, right, her talking to the husband, the new husband on the wedding day and seeing how that affected the, you know, would-be wedding night. Right. How that spoils the wedding night for the sister. And we would have assumed like it was true and she was molested and she's acting out. And then you would have had the reveal later. Yes. And I think that that is like I look at look at that episode plus. And here's the here's part of the problem, too, is that she the assumption that they're making the police are making is that she is older than these guys. Yeah. She doesn't look it. No, she doesn't. She looks like... She looks like... Well, then the weird part is she talks about being in a class with uh, with, with Fitz like eight years ago or nine years ago. And I'm like, is this character supposed to be 30? Yeah, she looks like a child. Yeah, she looks like a child. Yeah. She looks like one of these regular students. She just looks like, you know, she looks like she belongs in that class. 
Yeah, 100%. You would you would look at all the class people and you would not look at her and say, oh, she's oh it's strange that she's there. I mean, they have to full on, like, to try and make her look at out of place in that scene where he's making the speech. They have to have her have worn the lab coat into the thing yeah. so she looks out of place. Because if she didn't have the lab coat, she wouldn't look out of place at all. She would look like every other student. Yeah. And no, so it's, it's that, that was a little bit of a, a wonk when they came up with this idea of she was in one of Fitz's classes eight years before. And I'm going, what? I know, right? There were a few. And she's like, been obsessed were... with him this whole time. Hey, uh, show, this is something you have to set up. Yeah. You know? yeah no, this this needed to have been. We could. This is a. When we were doing this in Criminal Minds, what yeah. we would say is some of these things are an easy fix. And given the way Cracker was being written all the time, mm -hmm. this should have been an easy fix. I think so. I think so. And that's the problem. You, you kind of, it could have been done in the two. It would still have been not a Jimmy Great McGregor episode, Cracker, yeah. But it still would have, and we would have said there would have been little things. But it, yeah, you just don't get that... Um, that whole entire um, em empathy going for the villain that we needed to have to make this a better episode. Well, I mean, that's what makes Cracker work. Yes. And so that you understand that they have to be caught and they have to go to jail because they're murdering people. But you cannot, right? You cannot. Um, you can't let go of that empathy thing it was just like uh, it, and it is a minor a minor uh, example of what was wrong with the cult episode yeah that where where the guy is a complete really, cipher yeah. yeah whereas you don't really end up having any sympathy for this girl at all no you really if don't. You had, if you had been given, and I think you're right that that would have fixed a, a lot of it. of it. If she had, you had seen the scene at the wedding. Yeah. If you had actually seen this conversation. The conversation about how the sister had been molested by the father. Yeah. And that's why the father's buying them the house. Like the father's paying her off for her silence. Yeah. Right. And um, I mean, and that part of it, like the funny thing is, is the whole part at the end, when we get to the end, is completely reasonable. It is completely rational. Mm -hmm. It is, I understand it, right? Like there is nothing, again, the psychology is, I think in the end, flawless. It's a little strange, but it is one of those things that happens in incest families. Again, right? That we talk That's, about all the time is siding with your abuser. Yeah, and the and Fitz is right. You know that, you know, the father knew, like when she was a child, she did not understand what was going all all on. All she knew was that the father had favorites, ignored her, and was ignoring her and had his favorites. Yes, had his two favorites, the older one and the younger one. Mm -hmm. I think Fitz was was gilding the lily again. By saying that the older sister protect what you know was protecting her, I don't think that that was there because then the older sister should have protected the younger one as well. Yeah, 
Okay. Um, it's it's a weird reading for Fitz, Fitz to do. Fitz, yeah, there was a little bit of stuff there that I was questioning in mm-hmm. terms of the reading, but um, but that would have been gilding the lily to make her saying that yes, she was strong, and he's right that pedophiles and even in a friggin' family, yeah, right, they can pick out the ones that are oh, yeah. That's what I always said, that like uh, a pedophile can stand and just watch a room full of kids and, uh, you know, interacting with each other and know who the victim is because they know who won't talk and they yes. know who's going to be a problem yes. just by watching kids interact with each other. Yep. It's very disturbing, but it's something that gets talked about psychologists who work in that field a lot, that they develop a sense. Yeah. You know, just by in the, the way, because like any predator, they have to understand their prey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. And that's it's a good reference to that. And it's like, if only, right, this episode had been more about that and had had that scene yeah. at the wedding. Near the beginning, yes. Near right the, beginning. the beginning. That and should so have that that... opened. That yeah. should have opened this two-episode arc. Yeah, yeah. That had opened the arc rather than, I can't even remember what opened the arc. Yeah. Like if if it uh, the first scene the first scene that opens it is the the bosses the governor's wife coming in to Fitz for therapy. Oh yeah, we could have done away with that. That but whole was, comedy side plot that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, that comedy side plot that should have been that they could have used a lot of the time in that. Yeah. It should have opened with the scene of this this woman at her sister's wedding yeah and the conversation with her new husband yeah yeah and it's like just dig into it and that way that is going to color every time we see her yes because we're for the rest of the show that somehow or another like that she also was sexually abused yeah and that, um, because you could write it that way, the the discussion that she oh one hundred percent. There's yeah. no, it's it's not e- it's not hard not to hard. write it. No. So like, because he would be refusing, and he would be she would be insisting, and her own experiences would just never come up. No, and the and the sister would come in and deny it as well. Yeah, exactly. And you're all imagine you're imagining all of that, and this is all in your head. I've heard mm. that one before recently <laughs> in the oh. last year. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing that they say. Sure, it's all in your head. No, no, none of it ever happened. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, remember what you told me. Yeah. Remember, remember, and it. it ah, I'm gonna stop you before you accidentally yeah. give any details here. Yeah. Uh, there are uh, people yeah. who might not want those details out there. Yes. And um, not that they listen to the podcast. Of course, they never would, but still. Uh, yeah, but still, we don't want it. We don't want to. Uh, it's not it's not our business to put out your, in the it's world. It's not relevant, except ex- the only time it's relevant is to talk about how these families work. Well, no. And I mean, because I know a family like this now yeah. with, in a way that I didn't mm-hmm. when I first saw it, that part of the episode feels more real to me than it maybe did the first time. Like oh, this, I, this family's interaction. Cause I didn't, you knew about this kind of family at the time. I didn't when I first watched it in the nineties, but it's like, now that I know people like this, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is all authentic. This, this now, it, you know, it is, it was really authentic. Once you found out what the story was. Yeah. 
oh yeah oh, okay this just fits perfectly mm-hmm. you know no, you know it's it's emotionally very true but it's like because they wait to the ending to get us there to get there the whole episode just doesn't play you're just watching her do this uh do these murders and you don't really you're not that interested in why because she's not that interesting a character no she no and that it it and it's not again it's not the acting it is the the, the, well, partly it is the writer and the director who have kind of not really given her a lot to work with. No, they haven't. I mean, A, miscasting. Yes, miscasting should have been older. Should have been older. Or it's like maybe maybe that woman is 30 and she just looks super young and they should have done better work with hair and makeup. Yeah. Uh, but again, she looks like she's 22. Uh, if that. If that, like, she looks like a kid. I can see a yeah, 17 year old boy thinking someone 22 was older, but she's supposed <laughs> to be 30. I know. She's supposed to be 30. 30. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, but also the thing that never really plays in the episode in an interesting way is, and I, cause we only get one glimpse of it when she talks to him. It's like, why on earth did she become obsessed with Fitz? Yeah, I have no idea why she became obsessed with Fitz. This does not, it's not, doesn't seem like an important part of the episode. That never make it never draws it. Her obsession with Fitz is not really, like, an interesting part of the episode, except to do the cliched thing of making his son be in danger. Yeah. It's like, but did the episode need that? No, if we'd had a better, again, maybe Fitz had been... A lot more understanding. You could, okay, if you don't want to start with the wedding thing, you could have started with her being in Fitz's class. Yeah. You know, eight years before. That would not have been completely... And find, have him say something that pivotally changes and affects her life. Yes. That that I would have said. But they never, they don't even come up with anything he could have said to her. No, we just... To like pivotally... Affect change her life. her life yeah he, yeah he, and fitz could have done that completely unaware oh absolutely and, and then, not have any idea never, what his impact was she never shows up in the class again no so you know um although considering that it's like fitz suddenly has this really good friend at the university uh-huh. and this woman has been working as her assistant for years you'd think fitz would have at least run into this woman a couple of times, especially if she's obsessed with Fitz. Wouldn't over the years she have like gone out of her way to be around when Fitz was visiting his friend? Yeah. And what's really interesting, yes, is that, you know, when she comes up and, and, and that bar scene, there's a bar scene, right, where the two of them are talking and she he just dismisses. Yeah, go buy us a drink, you know. Yeah. That sort of thing and dismisses her. That what? That's supposed to make her angry? Like, I guess that it, it was it didn't fit because then she if she had gotten angry at him. Yeah. But no, she was still in love with him and still, you know, like and that's why she went and and targeted his son. Yeah. Like I to force her could, him to be in her life. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, you would have I think that's what that scene was supposed to do to give the motivation but it just doesn't sell it It doesn't sell it and that's the problem and it's the writing that doesn't sell it Mm -hmm. it's i mean all you have to do is go back to the albie episode and you 
get that trigger and you understand why this guy triggered all of this in Albi. Yep. It's this poor Pakistani shopkeeper who is mm-hmm. just trying to make make a living, right? But is a little pernickety about it. Yep. You know, it wasn't like he did anything that he wouldn't have done with anybody else. Oh, yeah. But it's something that just... The wrong guy at the wrong moment. And yeah. had we shown... And you're right. Had they shown us the the birth of her obsession with Fitz all of those years ago, mm-hmm. it could have been an interesting thing. Yeah. And, you know, because there was stuff you could have cut out of this episode. And the oh, yeah. business with the governor's and the governor's wife was right there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that scene was as flat. The thing with the governor and Fitz was so flat. Like, oh, give me a break, you know. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard that. Those same words from my wife. Like, Fitz, uh, give me a break. Well, and you have to ask, wonder, like, um, did, and I mean, it creates this whole subtext in that scene that it's the gov, the gov's wife because, like, well, she knows who Fitz is. Yeah. Fitz famously works, so she was specifically going to the guy who works with her husband well yeah for what reason well okay i i can i can probably see why she would do that because she was probably reluctant to go anyway but they were having they're having troubles and so he recommends fits well i don't know if he no no he wouldn't have recommended fits because he's shocked that is true yeah going to but she knows about fits and she knows that everybody thinks he's a really good therapist well, he isn't a really good therapist, but she thinks he probably is. But also, she probably goes to him because she thinks in her head that he will understand and maybe he can offer... Knows about cop life. stuff, yeah. Because she because kno- he knows about cop stuff and he knows about her husband. Mm-hmm. Right? So, I mean, he is... There are particular therapists, and you see them in other shows, who only deal with cops and cops... That's true. Family. Because it is a nerve-wracking, so many cop marriages end in divorce. Oh, yeah. Because of the job that the cops do. It's not an easy job. We bitch and complain about it uh, mm-hmm. often. And we this show certainly does not like cops, but this is the 90s. And, <laughs> this is, and the 80s and eight, British cops were given a lot more uh, leeway in some ways of being horrible. Oh, yeah. Than... Um, I mean, just look at life on Mars. Oh, my God. You know? Um, Oof. Yeah. I, yeah, everybody should go watch Life on Mars. It's 70s cops. The uh, the American, not the not the American version, the British version. The American version wasn't like it lasted an episode. I, nobody, nobody hears Life on Mars and thinks they should be watching the American version. <laughs> well, yeah, you hope. Hopefully, um, yeah. 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 Um, you watch the British version and whether or not you agree with the ending is immaterial. It's a damn it good works. show. It's a damn good show. And it just shows you what cops were like in the seventies. Mm-hmm. And um, the problem is they hadn't changed much in the nineties. Like the change is coming. You can, you can feel it, but the stress and the tension and the cops are still given leeway. And we talked yep. about that with, with the governor and Penhaglian and making her go back. Oh. Right. After Jimmy has done all of this stuff on rape. Right. And mm-hmm. making her go back and sit and have continued drinking with her buddies. 
her cop buddies. No, he should have never done that. And probably 10 years later, he wouldn't have done that. Uh, yeah. He would have done what he had to do with Jimmy, but the rules hadn't changed enough and the attitudes hadn't changed enough. And you can see that. Go watch Prime Suspect and you can see the same issues going on. Um, you get other mm -hmm. cops with, that have women in them, um, British ones, then the difficulties they had. Um, so it is, um, it, it yeah, there was, it, it was just so for funky if they had cut that whole business out with with the governor and his wife and jimmy you would have had a whole bunch of extra time yeah you have made us understand our killer a lot better than we do and we needed to to create the empathetic level that we needed for this character absolutely for this character and that's what's missing in this show yeah is it really is the creation and we can knowing her story at the end we can definitely come up with a number of different ways to restructure the episode and and it would have worked better that's all you know no, i think you're right when, when but the more i think about it you cut that stuff you get some extra scenes with her maybe you do a flashback to why to to sell the idea that she was obsessed with Fitz, yeah. because all we do is uh like the closest we get is her saying i saw you uh you know making a joke about your life with those things and everyone's laughing but i saw that you were actually did hate your marriage and hate the life you're trapped in. and i'm like yes well observed he does yes but <laughs> you know it would have been better but then again you see this is expository yeah Rather than showing us. Yes, rather than showing us. we. In fact, that's the scene. Yeah. Could have shown. Yeah. Right? You could have shown her sitting as a younger self in that lecture and listening to it and her, you know, just, you know, her eyes just going big and everything else and her talking to him afterwards, you know, mm -hmm. about how much sympathy he had, she had or something like that. And her to some and him to some extent dismissing it, right? Yeah. Because uh, and this is also right now what we're the only thing the only like the scene with her and his brother. I think we have to leave that in because it is going to show because at the end when she says, "Would you give your life for me?" Yeah. And he can't say yes. Mm -hmm. He would for his children. And she's and that, that is for her the defining moment that's going to say, yes, okay, if I am going to be involved with her his brother, then that is going to be fine. I've got I've finally gotten fits out of my system. Yeah. And I've got this nice man who really likes me. Right. And who I am in this situation, this point in my life attracted to. Yeah. Um, she could not wouldn't have any guilt or any hesitation then because Fitz has just made it perfectly clear to her that her life means nothing really to him. Fundamentally. Yeah. Fundamentally, she gave him children. That's all. Yep. You know, he wouldn't give his life for his wife. But he would, you know, because he said he would that. sacrifice for his children. He yeah. sacrifices life for his children. So it is it, that 
I think is key to understanding so that we can get to white ghost. Yeah. Right. And we can get to him leaving. Yeah. And it's, if you don't understand why he would leave when we see this situation that has, what has become of his family. Yes. What has become of his family and and, what he has done. And this has nothing to do with his gambling. This has nothing to do with his drinking. This has nothing to do with any of those things. This is the relationship between the two of them. And he just doesn't love her. And the scene with Penhaligon, right, as well. You know, Mm -hmm. because when the wife and Penhaligon talk, that's also important because the wife says, well, do you did you believe him when he said he loved you? And Penhaligon said, no. (laughs) And I doubt that she did because she isn't stupid. She might Mm -hmm. be attracted to Fitz and maybe he's really good in bed because that. That was the impression, too, with the wife, you know, that when he's on, he's really on. Mm -hmm. And so that's always that's always an attraction for a woman. Oh, yeah. When you've got when you've got a man who really is in the sexual sphere, really sort of invested in making sure that you have a good, good experience as well as him. Mm-hmm. And he it, he could perfectly do that, right? Oh, it's completely believable. And it's completely believable. But Penn Halligan even says to the wife, well, no, I didn't believe it, right? So, yeah. um, and the wife tries to use that as well, but it, it you know, it kind of falls flat. But it, so it's <laughs> this one, right? And I don't mean that it falls flat in terms of from the writing point of view i just yeah it's no 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 for the character is not impressed yeah the characters right and what happens is that it's this point where would you die for me Mm -hmm. that's the fundamental question that he can't say yes to no he can't say yes to it so that's Mm -hmm. it and she's going to be done now finally but this is what it took she can turn the page yeah she can finally turn the page yeah and I mean, uh, again, that character stuff works, right? It's the, and that's why you have to, and you're right that you have to do the stuff and have to have the son be kidnapped. I said, do you really need that? And of course you do because it triggers all the family stuff. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. I was, I was just looking for places to cut to give more time to the killer. But no, if like we want to get the character where we want to get to, you do need that stuff. But what you don't need, like... You're right. If you cut out that stuff, if you cut out the stuff with the with his boss, yeah. then you're going to have time. Yeah. Right. That's the key part. It's, then it's, you're going to have time to go into the backstory. All told, you've got four or five minutes there. Yeah. Like we we could cut a number because you wouldn't. Because you cut the scene with the wife. You cut the scene with him and the thing. You cut the scene with the with the boss going to the play yeah. to the rooming house. And you replace the scene in the kitchen in her sister's house. You replace that scene with the wedding scene. Yeah, with the confrontation with the husband. Yeah. Uh, Boom. And then you've structured this episode. So you show her obsession with Fitz. You cut to, you know, 10 years later, eight years later, whatever, at the sister's wedding. wedding, And then, boom. Yeah. Yeah. And you've set everything up then. Mm -hmm. Right? So that you can give us the little reveals as we go along. But the big reveal is that because, and you can lead us down the garden path of assuming she was sexually abused by her father. For the whole time. You for the whole yeah. time. And then boom, you get your twist. No, she was the only one who wasn't sexually yeah. abused. Yeah. And then, and that's the thing. It's like, and if you go back and you watch the scene and where she's confronting the brother-in-law, yeah. oh, she never actually said she was assaulted, did she? Yeah. 
Yeah, and then that would be something that you would notice when you yeah. watched it the second time. The second time. And that that is that is um the way it is because what you want to do in any kind of a mystery is give all the clues. Right? Yeah, and then it has to be, be able, it has to play fair. It has to play fair. You have to give the audience all the clues even if we don't understand them at the time. At the time, when we get to the end, we can go, "Oh yeah, they did give us all those clues." And we could figure, yeah. we could have figured it out if we had just thought a little differently, but the cops didn't think a little differently any more than Fitz did. So we're all surprised <laughs> when when what it turns out is that she's the only one that wasn't abused. And the story that she tells about her mother taking her oh. out and the father at at her sister's wedding. Yeah. What what uh I know. What, uh, you know, nah, just I, a monster. And yes. And then that explains why this turned into murder. Yeah. You know, you can understand it. Yeah. So we fixed the episode. Uh, I think that were I think that would work. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I mean, we, we'll never get to rewrite these episodes. <laughs> but it, it, this is just this is just a fun exercise for us. Yeah, it's a fun exercise for us. And it would have just it, it would have made it. Um, it would have made our killer more sympathetic because she sure as hell isn't sympathetic at all. No. You know? Um, period. You know? It's a real problem. It, it's a real problem because that's what we're used to doing. And mm -hmm. Abbott got it in the first arc that he wrote. Yeah. But he these two, it just doesn't it. work. It, he missed it in this arc. And I can't remember White Ghost. So Well, We'll be covering that next time. We're going to find out soon enough. Yeah. But yeah, like that's what's so frustrating about this, this pair of episodes. It's like, you can see how much more powerful it could have been, yeah. how much more interesting it could have been, you know? And it's just frustrating to watch them screw that up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it is. And um, if it wasn't that we were coming to the end of this, we would probably be even angrier. And we yeah. don't have any back to relate this truth. Like, here's that's the funny thing, right? We watch Criminal Minds. Well, as we're going along, we had, okay, those this was good. We could actually watch over 15 years this this show, Criminal Minds, getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Yeah. Right? We and could, then abruptly getting a ton better. Abruptly, yes. Everybody's kind of shocked. I still remember the one reviewer that said, well, it has no business being this good. It's supposed to be criminal minds. We're supposed to be able to just dismiss it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do that anymore. It's a good show now. Yeah. It's a good show now. And so what are you going to do in that? And, you know, yeah, and then there's the writer strike. So oh. God knows when we're going to get season 17. I know. Unless. It's so frustrating. I mean, unless, you know, all of these streaming services come to their senses. Yeah. And start paying people what they deserve. Yes. Give that would be nice. You know? It's not. And by the way, and the big one for me, committing not to use AI. <gasps> to write episodes. Yeah, because that's what that's what the writers asked for. It's like a, a contract that you can't ask AI to write or rewrite episodes of television. And did you see what the uh, union offered? Sorry, what the producers offered in return? No. We will schedule a yearly meeting with the union to discuss how we're using AI. Yeah. 
No, no, no. No, no. No, no, no. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing more insulting than we want AI to do your job. Well, plus you you'll never I believe it or not, you're never going to get AI to be able to do your job. Well, no, right. the problem with AI is, I mean, I hate to put it in such dark term, is is we can all be influenced by things, right? We can. We are all influenced by things we encounter in our lives and the stories that shape the way we look at the world. Yep. But the AI brings nothing but its influences. Everything AI does is plagiarism. Yeah. Full fact. It is just remixing stuff that it has been trained on. And you can't say. Like when uh, when Criminal Minds did that episode uh, when we had the killer who was the strangler and they're like, well, we just wanted to theme him after Tom Noonan for Manhunter. So we got a guy who looked like Tom Noonan for Manhunter. We had him dress and act like Tom Noonan for Man Manhunter. That's an influence, but that's not plagiarism. That is a knowing wink. You know, that is a nod. That is an acknowledgement of your influences. It's not plagiarism. Can you imagine? All AI does is plagiarism. Can you imagine how boring television is going to become? If they try to do that, yeah. Because it's bad enough that it's bad enough that you get a movie that becomes a big hit, and then you get ten movies after it that are that just, are just like the it. same, right? You know. Whereas with AI, AI will say, "Oh well, people will start saying people rewound this scene the most, so we'll just recreate that scene over and over and over again." You know, people watch this episode the most. So we're going to make sure that episode feels every, you know, line of dialogue feels like dialogue. Oh, well, this scene uh, that people liked was exactly three minutes and 15 seconds long. So we're going to ensure that all scenes are three minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah. Long. Like, because the AI can't, un can only understand what people did. It can't understand why people did it. Yes. And that's, that's why it is, you know, not actual art when I, AI does it. Sorry, but it's not. No. You know, and I mean, I know it's you can you're going to be able to make whole animated movies very soon with AI prompts. Like, that's just a fact. You're but going it's to be not able like to. AI movies are, never mind. I mean, it's not <laughs> like, uh, I still call them cartoons, excuse me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, in, and AI, the thing is, at this point, Yes, AI, you feed information into AI. And AI can go on to Google. Yeah. Right? And get all sorts of information from Google. And, of course, Google owns YouTube. Yeah, exactly. And, and AI Watch all of the videos on YouTube. Can you imagine some of the stuff oh, yeah. it's going to extract? Oh, yeah. Put into its database? And then decide it can you oh my god, I just can't it's it's kind of a horrifying idea that yeah. it's gonna look at what people watch on YouTube and based on what people are watching on YouTube, it's going to reverse engineer, right? What a movie should be. Okay. Oh it's like it's gonna look at like here are people's favorite scenes from movies, and it's gonna write movies that are just people's favorite scenes from movies. Yes, it's not gonna be Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. It's not going to be Quentin Tarantino who takes that and adds to it his personal life experience of being a lonely guy growing up in the, 
uh, in the 60s and 70s where he had no friends and he only had movies and he influenced everything and l- being obsessed with black culture. And, you know, it's like desperately wanting to be as cool as the people in black exploitation movies, but knowing he never could. And it's like bringing that sense of inferiority. And yes, his obsession with women's feet. And you put all of that into this crazy mixture and you get Quentin Tarantino. And but all of these AIs remixing it aren't going to have all of those personal experiences to draw from they're just going to be drawing from what people have clicked like on it's not going to have any character and it's not going to have anything to say yeah you know and for an awful lot of people yes it is it can be Mm -hmm. um oh you know actually you know the crazy part is me doing that little mini rant there actually reminded me of the other thing i wanted to say about the episode okay uh okay to, to to hit a hard skid back into the episode. <laughs> Sorry yes. about that, everybody. Uh, just, I've taken this. I've taken this union stuff very personally because yes. I'm a screenwriter. Yeah. That's just fact. And she is because she's literally on the executive of a union and has been her entire career. She, we are we are union people yes. to the core, and that is just a fact. But anyway, uh, the point I'm getting at is. Uh, the, the thing that bothered me is the same thing, but on a macro level, right. Uh, that bothered me about the, um, uh, about the previous episode, about the previous episode, how like the stuff that happened with Bill was very fascinating. And like, uh, the back, the, the background noise of homophobia, let us know how the Liam Cunningham character, right. Ended up so lonely. And so, you know, disconnected from everybody but the episode unlike the jimmy mcgovern episode isn't coming out and saying i'm about this larger social issue and in the same way the child molestation that happened in the backstory of this episode is treated simply as this woman's you know this woman's sole experience that has informed how she became this thing and it's why she's a killer whereas while in all the previous episodes uh, that Jimmy McGovern wrote, there are the previous experiences that turn them into these killers, but they all, every single episode igno- that he wrote acknowledged these are all parts of social trends. And yes, society is to blame. Yeah. And it was frustrating to not see that hinted. And like, as you said, that's kind of hinted at and acknowledged by the previous episode, Best Boys. It's not even touched on at all here. No. Not, it's not touched on at all. Like there's no social context for this at all. And that is the problem with Fitz and his interactions with this girl. Yeah. You know, I mean, he. Why is he not talking about the bigger issue of this? Yeah, which he always does. When he's trying to work out what the problem is, he sees the big, bigger picture long before anybody else. And he misses it completely here. Yeah. And and then it doesn't make any sense, as I said, unless we had had, well, you know, that, well, now we're talking about a bigger rewrite because mm-hmm. we're going to have to rewrite some of the interactions <laughs> with, with Fitz, but we've got lots of time to do that. That's true. If you're cutting a bunch of stuff out of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, and also like um, the fact that the kind of crime she commits right that she's got this seems almost completely disconnect like you keep wondering well why is she doing this elaborate electrocution bondage murder thing 
<laughs> and then it's because her dad ran a was a was a butcher and he killed cows. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. Just because her father was a butcher. Yeah, that he let that electrocute cows. What they lived on a farm, and she watched her father electrocute cows. I guess we should have seen that, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But I can't imagine he's a he's a butcher and and electrocuted his own cows. No. Well, no, that is part of the backstory that he electrocuted his own. Yeah, I know, but but it does seem preposterous. It seems just a little preposterous. Yeah. Given no, I mean, yeah. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but yeah, like, so he was a butcher, but he was also a cattle farmer? I mean, it's like yeah. he didn't just get sides of beef in like everybody else did. He just had his own cows that he butchered himself and then sold the meat on? Like, like in this present day, is that a, a job that, you know, is profitable enough that you can, like, you imagine, like, there are the people who raise cows and sell them to slaughterhouses. Rich. They've got money. They're comfortably middle class. Yes, he buys his daughter a house. He bought his. Uh, he paid for his other daughter's university education, all the way yeah, up to she's stuff. a successful lawyer or something. Nothing for this girl. Exactly. But he was yeah, buying her weird, off, right? the other children off. Oh yeah, no. I mean, the more we talk about it, the worse the problems are. Okay, yeah. yeah, okay, maybe it's going to need a bigger rewrite than we thought. <laughs> than we realized. Depending on what. So much of this, like, just feels like it's coming out of nowhere. Yeah, and that's that's the big problem. It's the big problem with this episode. It's, and I, I mean, to talk about it, yes. We, I kind of, when I'm watching it, I was trying to think, you know, there were there were parts of it. I'm not used to not having any sympathy for the, for her the killer like yeah. I, I have to have academics that you know when you get to the end it's not this falling into tears which you know i always have a few tears when i watch these episodes for, because of these poor people whose circumstances yeah. brought them there that's what you're missing in this episode and you need to get there and well i mean and it never draw at the fundamentally you never get you could they never draw a connection between the abuse she suffered and the people she targets for her crimes. Mm-hmm. You never understand why this specific abuse she suffered, why has this led to you preying on college students? And why do you think this is going to get Fitz's attention? I mean, that's yeah. what they say she's doing it to get Fitz's attention. But why would this specific thing get draw Fitz's, Fitz's attention? attention? Yeah. Yeah. Why would he care that much about these college? I mean, uh, to the extent that he has to investigate every crime, I guess, you know, you could say it's going to have his attention. But like, if she didn't send the letter to him, who would who would have guessed? Yeah. Who would have guessed that this has anything to do with him? Oh, well, it's at the university that he sometimes lectures at. Okay. Yeah, and it, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, no, it, there there are serious, serious problems. And getting us to where we're used to going in Cracker. Yeah. You know, as a as an as I said, it's a reasonable C plus B minus episode of a regular procedural. Yeah, but we expect so much yeah. more from Cracker. It's what we expect. It honestly, Cracker. like, it's it's one of those things where it almost feels like one of those episodes of a TV show 
where the writer thought of a thing for a killer to do, in this case, bondage, sex, and electrocution, and then, like, worked backwards to write a show around that idea. You know? Yes, except it's that like it's, it's not... One of the least satisfying ways to write a TV show. Well, not only that, but, okay, you thought this was going to give us that? I I know, right? You know, I mean, never mind. I mean, I, it, I mean, I can, I could go on and on and and think. Well, maybe if we had, if they had done, no, like, th there's no, like, something would have happened to her, had to have happened to her in her childhood to bring her here, and her father being a butcher. Okay. Yeah, her that's butcher. supposed to be good enough. Um, yeah. it doesn't seem to me. Maybe if she was having flashbacks. Well, she was having flashbacks or like, let's say, and I mean, what? I'm just throwing this out uh, and maybe like her feeling completely left out when she was, uh, what do you call it? Uh, by the father's attention and abuse when she was a kid led her to be desperate when she was a young woman, uh, for attention and got sexually assaulted by men at college. That that way they're okay. Yeah, but now we're we're talking a three arc episode. Now yeah. we're talking oh, okay, yes. Now she you put start. herself in these desperate positions, desperate for the attention she was yeah. lost because of this horrific situation. Yeah, because you need the kid. in between you need that in between. Yeah. yeah, she got raped at college. I think that might help do it. Yes, but that because that would get you the target. That would yeah. get you why she's targeting these men. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she got. She went desperate looking for attention. She wound up getting raped at college. And with yeah, a okay. bondage I think, I think thing. With a bondage thing. And then she decided to take control of that and yeah. became obsessed, uh, obsessed with Fitz or for whatever reason after her assault. Right? And I don't know how they'd get Fitz in there, but they'd have to get Fitz in there somewhere. Uh, but right Can't after the assault. And so... Yeah, right? And then then you're explaining, then you're getting a good idea for, well, here's why she's choosing these victims. Here's why she's deciding to kill them in this way. I think that would have played a lot better had they had that extra element. Her own sexual assault as a young adult, you know, driven by her at college. And by why she like basic yeah, by a preppy. And it's why she washed out of college and it's why she had mm -hmm. like in addition to not being supported by her father, she's like, I'm gonna get away from my family, and she puts herself in this position, desperate for the attention, and then gets sexually assaulted and it puts her on tilt, and now she's become emotionally retarded. Yes. Right. She has stopped developing and she's stuck only able to interact with these younger people and working as this lab assistant. Yeah. You know what? Now that we talk it through, I think we've got something here. Oh yeah, I, I no, yeah, no. It's it's interesting. We're talking it through, and we could we could restructure this whole. But you would need a third third episode. You would need a third episode to get all yeah. this in there. Yeah, yeah you need a third episode in the arc. Mm -hmm. So the other things would fix the two arc episode, but we, to ideally set this entire show up, you would need another. Another. You would need another whole episode. Yeah, you'd need a whole other episode. It probably would have helped to have had, but they did. But he did a better job with best. Okay, wait. I I kind of have something a uh -oh. pitch okay. that I think would work well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh if um if 
let's say that she, what do you call it? Um, she went to college and instead of, you know, apprenticing for Fitz's friend, what if Fitz's friend had been uh, a guy who took advantage of her need to be sexually exploited or desperation for that and ends up having this affair with this professor and becomes the professor's assistant and, you know, father figure, uh, you know, woman he's having an affair her. with, yet starts ignoring her or he dies and that triggers yeah. her thing, something like that. And so she starts preying on younger students the way she had been preyed on. Yeah. That that would have kicked well. And then if the guy's still alive and he's just ignoring her, then Fitz would have to confront his friend about how yeah. like he continued this exploitation rather than the friend being there and briefly taking over Fitz for no reason I can think of. A part of the plot we haven't talked about at all because it adds nothing to the episode. And then she says, no, I can't do this. I don't know how you guys do this. And watch, look yeah. at all of these horrible things all the time. And she walks out. Yeah. And that's yeah. the problem with psychology. They yeah. don't want to deal with reality. Experimental psychology doesn't have to deal with reality. And she's an experimental yeah. psychologist. Yeah. Like it takes, because really. uh, then they just have theories and they test their theories. They don't have to deal with the messy realities of it. And this was the messy reality. Yeah. And, but I mean, that doesn't really but it, it, say but anything. Again, okay, there's another few minutes we could have cut. <laughs> I know, right? And done all the other oh. stuff that would have made it a cracker episode. You know, I'm actually starting to get, like, talking about our version of this episode. I, I think this is could have been a really strong episode, yeah. the one we're talking about. Yeah, I think we could have. We could have yeah. a really strong episode around this issue. Yeah. You know, and it is, and the funny thing is, it is a unique issue because we don't mm -hmm. often talk about that part of it where there is a child that doesn't get abused, right? Yeah. Within an, a highly abusive family because the father still abused her and made oh, fun yeah. of her and got great glee and pleasure out of, out of not having sex with her. Yeah, cruel neglect. Cruel neglect. And ostracizing and turning her into a pariah within her own family. Yeah, turning everybody yeah. against her. Mm -hmm. We don't even want Because that was, he can't, he knew he couldn't get away with molesting her, so he did his control in a different yeah, way. and the mother was just a... Uh, yeah. Well, the mother. Well, we all know how we feel about the mothers in these situations. As well, is that that just, I mean, supported him in every way. And, yep. But then again, the mother was probably sexually abused by her father, so this is just normal for her. Yeah. Even though she didn't like it and she hated it, she did manage. But she also married a man like her father. Yep. Because she's been trained to. Yes. Oh yeah, it's it's a disgusting thing. Yes. The whole thing it happens over like, and over and the over whole again. situation is disgusting it is, and well, it happens yeah it does well no and that's what's so and again like a for all the crap we're giving this episode for all the mistakes it made just to go back to what we said right at the start it's emotionally true yeah yeah like all the stuff about that it has to end. say about how these families work yeah about how these incest families work. Yeah, this is this is accurate. The research they got the research right about what these family interactions were like. Yeah. 
right? And the fa- the horrific family dynamics that are created in these incest families. Like, that's all true. You just didn't use it to make a good episode of television. A good episode of And you of didn't crack. make the episode crack. Not you're a right. bad it's a episode. Decent, it's it's, your it's right. not a bad episode. Of any other procedural. Of any other procedural. It been, that's true. If I had seen this in CSI. You'd be like, oh, wow, CSI's willing to talk about serious stuff for once. Ah, way to go. Yeah, way to go. You know? Yeah. If it had been a we would have rewritten it. You know? We still would have rewritten it, but, you know, we would have been impressed with their willingness to go there. Yeah. You know, but just because it's Cracker and we expect oh, so sure. much more from it. Like, it's Cracker. You you got to go bigger, You got to go bigger, and if it meant... You needed to cut out a bunch of stuff. You needed to rethink mm-hmm. how you were going to get to that wonderful ending. Because yeah. that ending... Because it's it's a strong the, ending. The ending of this show, with not only with our killer, but with Fitz yeah. and his wife, is powerful. It's incredibly powerful. Right? But getting there was like, okay, <laughs> how did we get here? Yeah, it really did feel that yeah. way. And so... Because you, yeah, for all the reasons that we've said up to this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, so uh, definitely a mixed bag this week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like 100% a mixed bag this week. It uh, could have been a ton better. Yeah. As as we have so extensively laid yes. out, it could have been a ton better. Uh, but its heart was in, its r- in the right place yeah. in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah. and the ending takes it home i mean the ending brings it home and as i've always said with criminal minds what they always did was frig up the ending right they they do tend to screw up they screw up their or they used to screw up their endings (laughs) not so much this time not so much in season 16 but um they used to screw up the ending so often and that was always as i said you can watch a rotten show and if the ending takes it home hey I'm happy walking Mm -hmm. away going, yeah, they finally got it in the end. So they got there and they did it powerfully and they set up White Ghost. Yeah, and that is important. As we'll be talking about next week. Yeah, so it's a frustrating episode in a lot of ways, but yeah, it's definitely mid uh, but when you look at how bad... Well, that's what I'm so saying. When you look better. at how bad an episode without Jimmy Govern could have been, we still have to be pretty impressed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that is where we're going to leave yes. it on this one. All right. So uh, that is that. If you uh, have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, please drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review uh, because that is how new people find the show. We will see you back here for Cracker next week as we wrap up the original run of the show with Lucky White Ghost, the episode set in Hong Kong and filmed in Hong Kong one year before the handoff of Hong Kong to uh, China. A decision... That seems like a worse idea every year. Yes, well, it is a worse idea every year, and there's certainly oh, and there's a series that there's a series of books. Ian Hamilton. Which one? He's he's the Canadian author that has that wrote the Ava Lee books, but oh, he also okay. 
has been doing a whole bunch of stuff with Uncle, the the key character in the Avon Lee novels. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it has it is now dealing with the potential hang like the last one he did Tiananmen Square. Oh, in Utah, oh, that was just horrible. I mean, there is no love for uh, communist China in these books in the end. They're not in the Ava, Nila, Ava Lee novels so much, except that the, the general of Tiananmen Square is. It is just, um, it is a, a horrifying end to that one. But he's also, he's run these going with Uncle, who is the second key character, in the Ava Lee novels, and we are getting all of Uncle's backstory in China and how he sets up these different things and his interactions with the triads. Like he's a, he's a triad boss, right? And how right. they make a deal with China. Um, hmm. and you know, Uncle is very afraid of the deal that the triads are going to that the triads make with China. China's not all that unhappy with having the triads. And then the potential later on, and um, so, and then uh, um, when he, Hamilton, he's, well, he's got. He says he's got two more in 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 the wings. Like he's he's on fire writing about this sort of stuff. So Ian yeah. Hamilton, go look it up if you want to know another. You want to see another side of how this, what's happening in Hong Kong now. Whereas they say whenever there are protests and they call them, they are, they, you know, as he says, the suspicion is that China is calling the shots with the triads and it's the triads that are going in and causing trouble. That wouldn't right? shock me. Um, because of the deal that uncle made, right? Jesus. Years before, he yeah. saw that this possibility might well, I mean, it's not impossible yeah. because for for the 80s and the 90s, we're, we all heard Russian mob, Russian mob, Russian mob. And then we find out actually there, there never was a Russian mob. It's just the KGB. Yeah. It's just like it's the KGB controlling the black markets and controlling smuggling yeah. and pretending to their pretending there was a criminal organization when it's just really the Russian government. Yeah. And this is, and so there, the, it, 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 it was really the last one I, the last one about uncle, um, he's got, as I said, he said, well, he thought he was going to be finished. There was only going to be four uncle novel. Now he's going, ah, oh, right. There's a lot more. Yeah. Cause I'm sure the weird part is, I'm sure what happens is every time he sits down to do his research and do his interviews for one of these books. He's like, here's the topic I want to talk about. And then he finds out friggin' 50 other horrible things that happened yeah. oh. that these, uh, that these mobs are responsible for. And he's like, okay, well that's not going to fit in this book, but I guess I have to expand the story again. Yeah, Keep, keep expanding uncle. And he's, I mean, it, it these are well, it's, the research into the creation of the uncle character was so robust is why he gets his own books now. It's the exact same yeah. thing. And and the funny thing, and he lives in Richmond Hill and he has oh, a really? lot of yes, he has a lot of Chinese friends and the rest of it. Right. So I could oh I I could see things happening too with sort of China being involved in things like the US or in Canada. We're having this mess right now oh, about them trying to God. influence elections and all of this. It's bad. Yeah. So, you know, it, um, so I would suggest there's, there's something else. These are, um, never, 
this is not gonna it's not our area no because the ava lee is forensic accounting <laughs> yeah it's like this is what got my sister hooked it's forensic yeah. accounting her sister is an accountant just and FYI. my niece and the rest of it right yeah so and all of all of this it they are fat they are fascinating series of books that's well, no, and I mean, they, they managed to make it really interesting. Yeah, and the content, the constant contact with China, right? And then there's the Taiwan problem, but the, what's going on in Hong Kong mm -hmm. is what's being focused on. And But you always saw that even in the Ava Lee. And like, anyway, so I would just, if you're looking for something to read. After you've watched Lucky White Ghost and you find yourself... Because, you know, maybe you're too young to remember the handoff, which, you know, most people in the world, I'd say half the people in the world today are too young to remember the handoff, yep. you know, about that uh, and what, how fraught it was. Yeah, and, Tiananmen uh, and Tiananmen Square, Jesus Christ. I mean, for the that, love of God, like I had someone who would regularly come by, uh, by my channel who was Chinese, who didn't understand what the big deal with Tiananmen Square was because he grew up in China. Yeah. You know, so and they're not allowed to talk about it there. It's like, oh, there were some minor protests with some students and, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Well, yeah, it felt. is what they think of it in China now when they're allowed to talk about it yes, at all. Well, as I said, that goes back to rewriting history. It's like it's like remember the Munich episode of Family Guy. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, no. Nothing like happened. The, the, like nothing happened in here from 1925 to 1945. Yeah, no, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Oh. Everybody was on vacation yeah. for that 20 years. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, no. but it is, it's, um, and you can find some really good novels around. Yeah. So, you know, if you, but yeah, if, uh, if they're, if you're curious, uh, Ava, the Ava Lee books, the Ian Hamilton are a great place to start. If after you watch Lucky White Ghost, you want to find out more about Hong Kong and more about, uh, interesting Chinese crime. Yeah. Yeah, it's a perfect place to start. And uh, it's just, I'm very interested to watch this one because uh, Antonia Bird directed it. Ah. And, and, and I mean, we'll talk about her next week because she was truly an unparalleled artist. Mm -hmm. And to the point where she directed both Lucky White Ghost and the Cracker movie, she came back and directed mm -hmm. that. And between those two projects, almost halfway between these two projects, she directed what some have called the best movie ever made, uh, which we will be covering between uh, finishing Cracker and starting our next project, American Cracker. That's right. We went into YouTube and we bought American Cracker. We pulled the trigger on it. And we couldn't believe the whole series is $10. You just pay $10 and you'll own all of American Cracker. I think it came to twelve sixty two with tax. But no, but that's Canadian. Okay. That's Canadian. Canadian. Americans can buy it for $10. That's my point. Uh, but the funny part about American Cracker is, do you know what the first two-part episode of American oh, Cracker is? And the rest of them are two parts? I think uh, there's like they did two two-parters, but the rest of them are just one-offs, which is going to be crazy. But the first episode is their adaptation of what we just yeah, covered. So it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be a ride. Oh, and apparently Robbie Coltrane showed up for one episode. Obviously not playing Fitz. Obviously not. <laughs> yeah, 
Apparently he like showed up for an episode just playing a guy. Like, I don't know if he's the killer. I didn't watch the show. I mean, I did watch the show when it was originally on, but only like five episodes aired and 12 episodes went unaired and just like aired on A&E years later. And I never watched them. So I'm going to be seeing most of this for the first time. Yeah, well, we all know what that's going to be. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be weird. All right. So that's that. We'll see you back here for that. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.